It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Thank you for joining us for a Tuesday. Not a Tuesday. Today's Thursday. It's a Thursday edition. That's what happens. I mean, when you make a New Year's resolution not to make a bunch of factual mistakes, you just start right out of the gate making a factual mistake. (laughs) This is the Thursday podcast, which is Mary Langston's podcast, which is question and answer podcast, I think. Isn't that right, Mary Langston? You got it right. It is our Thursday podcast. Yes. No. You made it. Probably not the first thing to go, but your memory and your mind is certainly like in the top 10 things that go once you, you know, reach old age, which is where I am. No, so, you're not there you, yet. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sprinting there as fast as I can. But this is the question and answer podcast, which is the one I look so forward to because it makes me think on my feet, which reminds me of being in the courtroom and why I love that job. And so hopefully we have some questions that I know the answer to. Fingers crossed on that. And I look forward to it each week as well. We'll get started. We're grateful y'all send us your thoughts and your questions each week. And we hope that y'all will keep them coming. We'll start with a question. I'm actually a little embarrassed to ask, Trey, but we're going to go with it. It's from Conrad, who writes, what is Mary Langston like in real life? Why would you be embarrassed to ask that question? I get that question all of the time. So why would you be embarrassed? What you should be embarrassed is if somebody were to come up to me and say, hey, when is Mary Langston up for parole? (laughs) Or uh, do you think Mary Langston has a shot at an acquittal in her upcoming (laughs) criminal trial? That that would be something perhaps to be a little chagrin about. (laughs) People ask me that question all the time. Uh, Mm -hmm. So here's what I would tell Conrad. Uh, What is Mary Langston like in real life? She is exactly what you would think. It just the kindest, sweetest, thoughtful. She and my wife are, and I've told them both this. I mean, they are like carbon copies in terms of their just genuine kindness. I don't mean manufactured. I don't mean I have an ulterior motive. It is just that is their nature and They're modest and they're thoughtful and they put other people ahead of themselves and all these other things I cannot relate to. And I don't understand why in the world anybody would want to do all that stuff. But Conrad, watching the two of them together, because they're together a good bit when we travel or when Mary Langston comes over here for the show, it's literally like watching the end of the notebook on an endless loop. It is just nonstop sweetness and happiness. I mean, I can't like even be around it. I will go tell them both goodbye. And then, and then I have to leave for fear that it's going to turn me into being a nice person, which is just something I I can't have. So uh, what's she like in real life? She's exactly like what she's like on the podcast. And I guess I've known her for 10 years now. And how long I've known you for 10 years? Just about. 
I've never heard her utter an unkind or negative word about anyone in 10 years. It's just, it is, uh, it's her faith, I think. No, probably her parents. I mean, I give her parents some credit for it, too, but it just faith. Faith is what just drives every decision that she makes. So you would think by now, I've been around Terry since I was 17, been around Mary Langston for the last decade. You would think all that exposure to goodness and kindness and decency would have had some positive impact on me. It hasn't yet, but but I am optimistic. I am optimistic that, you know, when you stand before God on Judgment Day and you have to give an accounting for what you have and have not done, my plan is to stand behind the two of them and hopefully get a little bit obscured or lost and make it in that way. That is my plan. Oh, my. Well, thank you for saying those kind words. And I don't know about your plan. We know you'll be up there with us. Um, Yeah, right behind you. Yeah, you're right. I will be right behind (laughs) you kind of saying, well, I don't I don't remember doing that. But here, let's let's talk about all the good things that Terry did and Mary Langston did. That's kind (laughs) of my plan right now. Well, you would beat us on all of those things, but thank you for the kind words and thank you for um, putting me in the same boat as Terry because she's amazing and she's definitely someone that anybody would look up to, especially me. So thank you. Yeah, they're two of the sweetest human beings ever created. So I I, I don't know how I, I, I got to live with one and work with the other. I don't know how, but um, but I have. So I'm grateful for that. And I know you don't like talking about yourself, which means you have no future in politics, <laughs> by the way. You have okay. zero future in politics if you don't like talking about yourself. You're probably ready to move on to whatever other questions there are. That would be great, but I do appreciate it. And thank you for the question, Conrad. We'll go to our next question, and it's from Brian in Florida, who writes, Do you think the House GOP will get along better in 2024? You know, Brian, from the great state of Florida, uh, I have promised my mom and my wife that I am going to be a very, very good about my language in 2024, which is not bad. It's just not perfect. So I'm going to go with no. I'm going to skip the word that like last year at this time I would have said in front of no. Do I think they're going to get along better Let's just go with no. I see no. There is a motivation to get along better. There is a motivation to because it's an election year. And the way the House works, if you're not in the majority, you may as well not be there. I mean, you get outvoted on everything. It's not like the Senate where you can like hold things up. You can hold up a nomination. You have to have a 60 vote threshold to move things. The House does not work that way. It is a purely majoritarian body. You're either in the majority or you are not. And because redistricting, there are very, very few of what, you know, they used to call blue dog Democrats or conservative Democrats or whatever you know phrase they used to use. And there are very few moderate Republicans. There are a few that are in swing districts, but not like the old days. So you have a deep ideological divide. Majority rule is all that matters. 
So there is an incentive to want to hold on to their narrow majority. But when I watch like Mike Johnson, really tough job trying to keep all those frogs in the wheelbarrow. Watch what happened to Kevin, which Mike was not part of at all. Mike voted for Kevin in January. McCarthy, he voted for former Speaker McCarthy in October. He did not. He was not part of the group of Crazy Eight that got rid of Kevin. But Mike inherited the job. And it took, I mean, the honeymoon, if you can even use that word. I mean, it's like a lifetime movie where, like, one of the newlyweds tries to kill the other one on the honeymoon. I mean, there is no honeymoon. He's already, there are already members that are not happy. You had a member from Texas that went on the floor of the House, a Republican member from Texas who went on the floor of the House. This is not in conference. Like, if you have something you want to get off your chest, they, they meet almost daily. You can go to conference. You can say what you want to say. You can call out your colleagues. You can do all of that behind closed doors. But not this guy. He went on the floor of the House and essentially made a campaign speech for Democrats and said, we have squandered this majority. We've not done a single solitary thing of note. That's a that's a fair paraphrase of what he said. So why in the world would people like put that group back in charge? What they should have said from day one, and I'm not a prophet, I'm not even that smart, but you don't have to be smart to see this. What you should have said from day one is we don't have the Senate, but we don't have the White House, and God knows we don't have the media. I mean, we have a headwind, not a tailwind. So these are realistic expectations. We are going to stop bad things from happening. Joe Biden's legislative agenda is going to come to an end because it's not going to pass the House. That's what they should have said. Beyond that, we're not going to be at, We don't have the Senate. We don't have the White House. But that's not what a group of Republicans, they, they want you to believe that they can do all of these transformative things, despite the fact that they don't, they have one half of one third of government, but they want you to believe and they need you to believe primarily for fundraising. You know a lot about the Bible, Mary Langston. Isn't there a verse that says the love of money is the root of all evil? Mm-hmm. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. I think you know the Bible better than I do, but I think that's what it says. Mm-hmm. It's everything's about fundraising now. I mean, you go and here's what I and, and this was true kind of towards the end when I was there. If you want to send out a fundraising appeal and you're a Republican, you'll make a little bit of money, a little bit of money criticizing Nancy Pelosi or Adam Schiff or Swalwell or Squad or fill in the blank. You'll make a little bit of money. You'll make a lot of money sending out a fundraising appeal, criticizing your own side, your own team. John Boehner is awful. Paul Ryan is awful. Kevin McCarthy is awful. My committee chairman, they're awful. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. Meanwhile, the people who are complaining the most don't ever step up. They don't volunteer to lead. They wouldn't be picked to lead because they have a host of other shortcomings, both qualification and character shortcomings. But they are really good on social media. So 
That's again, that's a typically traditionally long way of answering a pretty short question. Do I think the House GOP is going to get along better in 2024, despite having every single incentive in the world? Now, I mean, you sit here and think about it. You know, they say it's the most important election of our lifetime. It's 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 so important for the direction of the country. The overwhelming majority of the people in this country think we're headed in the wrong direction and we're on the wrong track, which is a really bad combination. They've lost confidence in the institutions that used to sustain us. All the reasons in the world to say, you know what? It is important that we maintain control of the House and therefore we are going to put our petty personal differences aside. And yet they cannot do it. They simply either cannot or will not do it. So do I think the House GOP is going to get along better this year than last? I do not, nor the year after, because we have elevated fame or notoriety, I should say. Notoriety is a better word. Fame almost like assumes a nobleness or honor about it. We have elevated notoriety to the number one political virtue. And there's like no shame. What I think is funny, but not in a ha-ha way, funny in kind of like a tragic way, is people who talk about how much they hate Congress and they hate Washington and they hate politics, and yet they will do everything in their power to remain there. They will move clear across a state because they're in a district and they're going to lose that district, but they can't abide the possibility that they will no longer be on TV or talked about or on social media. So they will move clear across the state solely to remain at a job they all claim they don't like in a town they all claim they loathe. It is just so. Yeah, that again, Brian, sorry for the like diatribe, but no, they're not going to get along better until you get a, a like a new group of people there well thank you so much for answering that Trey. that you, sounds very positive for 2024 yeah. thank you but, is exactly the word you were looking for there i'm sure it was we'll answer more of your questions when we come back jason in the house the jason chaffetz podcast dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as i take on american life politics and entertainment subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts we're going to end hopefully on a positive note with our last question and it's from matthew who writes who is your favorite cowboy and why emmett smith is his favorite uh roger Staubach. um my favorite cowboy. He was uh, the one that I, he's the reason I became a Cowboys fan. He, you know, he's really one of the very few people left that I would like to meet, but have not met. Um, I mean, there are others. I'd actually like to meet Dolly Parton. Um, Never, I've never met her. There, There are others on that list, but Roger Staubach probably be number one, although this people haven't met that I'd like to. I just love watching him as a kid. And, you know, of course, he went to the went to the Naval Academy and gave his five years to the country and just lo- love watching him. Had a fabulously successful career in real estate. I, I really haven't heard anyone who doesn't like and respect him. I, I saw him the other night. They put a guy named Jimmy Johnson in the Dallas Cowboys Ring of Honor. He was a 
a Super Bowl winning coach, Mary Langston, for while you were probably helping people do something or singing Christmas carols, I was watching pro football, mm-hmm. um, which should not surprise anyone who knows both of us. And they put Jimmy Johnson in the Ring of Honor, and a lot of the old Cowboys that are in the Ring of Honor came, and so I saw Stallback. He, he was my favorite, but I really, really, really liked Emmett Smith. I liked Emmett Smith in college. Uh, loved him when he was Cowboys. Um, his fullback, Daryl Johnson. If y'all want to watch something that will brighten your day, if you want to watch something that is encouraging and uplifting and inspirational, watch Emmett Smith's induction speech to the Hall of Fame where he talks about his fullback. Daryl Johnston, who blocked for him. If, if, if you want, it, it will make your day to hear a man, a really, really, really successful professional athlete, talk about one of his teammates. I love Drew Pearson, who wore number 88 before C.D. Lamb wore 88, Bob Lilly, Randy White, Mel Renfro, Jethro Pugh, Jason Witten, Aikman, I like Romo. I never met him, but our old friend John Lee Ratcliffe um, has not only met Romo, they have played golf together, which, you know how you're not supposed to, like, begrudge people when good things happen to them? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do begrudge the fact that John got to play with Romo. I do begrudge that. He also got to play with Scotty Scheffler, which I also begrudge, but Scotty Scheffler was not a former Dallas Cowboy. So, Stallback's number one. Love to meet Stallback. Love to play golf with Romo. But I will settle for meeting any of the cowboy names I listed and or many, many of the ones I did not list. So, I can probably name a hundred of them, but I can already hear you're beginning to fall asleep. So, I'll just stop right where we are. Well, that was a great list. And that's all the questions we have for today, Trey. All right. Will you keep, can I ask you one? Of course. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? I mean, I don't know why you would. You don't do anything wrong. But did you make any? Well, I didn't make any in particular, but usually I pick a word for the year and try to kind of stick to that. So I did do that. But other than that, that's it. You mean a word like golf? <laughs> I mean, I guess you could pick a word like that if it's positive. Food? Food? Is, could that be a word? <laughs> I guess if you, you know, want that to be part of your, you do better with food in the year, that could count. But, you know, I didn't think about those. Oh, you mean like a word like honor or integrity or faith or hope or trust or something like that? (laughs) Right. Mine's a little strange this year, but it it still works. I I picked. Knowing knowing you, I don't think it's strange. I mean, strange (laughs) to me would be homicide. If, if well, you like picked homicide, that would be strange. I, I doubt. I don't want to know it. I'm not asking you what it is. But <laughs> but the notion that it's strange, I, I don't think anybody believes that. Well, it's not homicide. That's for sure. It's the word wonder. Wonder? So that, that is the word that I chose for 2024. Wonder. Last year was rooted. So this year is wonder. Like. When but not you, like I'm wondering what's going to happen. Not that kind of wonder. No, wonder as in amazement. Right. Kind of like an awe. Like when you see uh, a sun, a sunset or a flower 
or something beautiful, you just admire and wonderment at what God created. Right. And I just don't want to ever lose that. So I want to keep it up. Okay. Well, you've inspired me to pick my own word for 2024. It's probably going to be spaghetti (laughs) because that's my favorite meal. And every time Terry says, what do you want for supper? And I say spaghetti. She says, we just had that last night. So <laughs> that that's going to be my word. But I will sit in wonderment when she makes it. So <laughs> I, will, I will do that out of respect for you. OK, that'll work. All righty. You have a good week and y'all have a good week. And we will talk to you, God willing, this time next week. We'll see you then. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.